Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each week I invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic insights from our in-house economics team. Good morning to our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Matthew, New South Wales has just gone into a three-day restriction period, courtesy of a community case culminating from a returned US traveller. We have now had 2.4 million doses of the vaccine administered locally, which has been a political headwind for the Morrison government. But with such low community transition, economically, is Australia's vaccination rate seen as an issue? Look, the uh, situation that's arisen in in New South Wales uh, shows exactly why the low vaccination rates are an issue. As long as we haven't hit herd immunity and we can't safely open our borders, even with the the restrictions that we have on uh, return uh, travellers coming into Australia, we can't guarantee the leakage of... um, of COVID into the community. And the result of that are ongoing restrictions and potentially um, state border closures. I think it really highlights the need for us to get on with our vaccination program and hit that herd immunity. Yeah, and I found it quite interesting this morning, Matthew, when I was looking up the vaccination rates globally, that Gibraltar was now the highest uh, per capita coverage at 99%. So no longer the world focusing on Israel. Locally, though, Matthew, next Tuesday, the Morrison government will bring down its third budget, one surely aimed at setting itself up for election amidst a global pandemic, historic debt levels, but a surprising bounce back in employment. So what do you forecast with the big themes coming through? Well, the most obvious one will be a large improvement in the budget. This financial year, 2021, we expect to see a $40 billion improvement on the MyEFO estimate. That's the uh, estimate, Craig, that the government does back in December of the budget. And, and that'll bring a budget deficit in around about $160 billion, which is still 8% of uh, GDP. But going forward into next year's budget, 2021-22, we'll, we'll see that deficit you know, more than likely halved to about 85 billion or 3% of uh, GDP next year. Over the forward estimates the government provides with the budget that goes out to 2024-25, we'll see further fiscal consolidation. And we think that the uh, government will come in with a deficit of about 1.6% at the end of those forward estimates. That is, as I said, uh, in 2024-25. But that's still a deficit, Craig. And so we expect debt will continue to climb as a percent of GDP from around 31% where it currently is to 38% by uh, 2024-25. And what we're seeing is quite a significant shift in government fiscal strategy, Craig. Gone is concern over debt and running balanced budgets over the medium term. What's in is a desire to hit full employment. So now we have the situation where both the RBA and the federal government are using their policy tools to target something around 4.5% unemployment rates. And Matthew, not just the RBA and the government, but also business is supporting this view as well. But how is the cost of COVID impacting on this budget? Well, this year, 2021, that's the year of, of, of COVID. JobKeeper and JobKeeper still dominate, and that's why we've got such a large uh, deficit. But next year, as they roll off, uh, that leads to half of that improvement that I alluded to in the, you know, in the budget 21-22. There's a sort of positive side to COVID that's not often talked about as well. And, and as a side effect of COVID, we got China 
boosting its um, demand for iron ore, coal and, and uh, also LNG um, prices surged as oil rebound. And those uh, effects actually increased the revenues of uh, the federal government in terms of corporate taxes, but it also contributed to stronger growth in the economy and stronger growth means more income tax collected by the government and less payouts in terms of things like unemployment benefits uh, by the government. All up, uh, the China rebound uh, plus the stronger growth, we think led to about a $40 billion improvement in the budget, and that will continue into next year. You're listening to Craig Balanswaler and QRC's Take 10 podcast, where our chief economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the Australian budget forecast that, of course, is shaping your investment outlook. Matthew, you mentioned China, you mentioned iron ore. One of the highlights for the budget revenue has been the boost in tax revenue from the elevated price of iron ore compared to those original budget estimates. Iron ore hit a record 200 US dollars per tonne overnight. What are the risks of a price fall to the budget outlook? Well, Craig, the price will fade. It, it won't stay at $200. The question is, how long will that take? And, and there will probably be a period of adjustment. Uh, so it's not going to collapse overnight. You've got to remember, for example, the cash cost of producing iron ore in the Kimberley is something around $20. So there's a massive margin there at currently and you wouldn't expect that to continue and and what will cause the fade well china COVID spending will eventually end and that will uh plus back you know quite substantially in price also additional supply from brazil will eventually occur as production ramps up there uh, over time and also in the backdrop we should never forget that there is actually a slowing trend in china demand for iron ore over time so the industry as a whole is looking at a gradual reduction in prices what is the is the uh is the implication of that well i think what the government should be considering the boost in iron ore prices as being it should think of it as a windfall gain and therefore we should consider banking that windfall gain now look at what the Australian household did when they got JobKeeper and JobSeeker. They didn't go out and just spend it all. They considered part of it as a windfall gain to support their their um, and repair their, um, their balance sheets. Uh, Australian uh, household savings went up very sharply and that enabled them to cushion the impact of a fall in uh, JobKeeper and JobSeeker, and that's happening, occurring now. And the government Matthew, should have the same. Sorry, problem. Matthew, just quickly, yep. you've, you've said there we should be banking this. Are you suggesting the government is spending it rather than banking it? I think two things. One, the government's, in terms of its trajectory in the out years, by not getting back to a at least a balanced budget, let alone a surplus, run the risk of going into a period in the future where we don't get that sort of support uh, from iron ore prices and potentially we have other negative shocks uh, hitting us and we won't be in a position where, where we can easily reduce or engage in, in fiscal expansion in response to, to adverse shocks uh, without further doing damage to our debt. So that's the sense in which I think we need to be prudent at the moment. You know, we don't have to be, we don't have to go into severe austerity, but rather we need to think of banking, as I say, these windfall gains, I think, to get into a surplus by the end of the uh, forward estimates, not remain in a deficit. Matthew, the iron ore price for me anyway is just simply captivating, but has it gone against the grain in your opinion? In a sense, yes. Uh, what I think is that China, uh, through iron ore, uh, its impact on iron ore, has actually reversed our relationship with the global 
economic cycle. Our economy, a small open economy that relied a lot on trade with the rest of the world, used to be very pro-cyclical when the global economy uh, was going, was was strong. We were strong when the global economy uh, fell, uh, our economy suffered. In other words, we used to have that saying, when the world sneezed, Craig, Australia caught a cold. China has engaged in counter-cyclical fiscal spending, meaning that when the global economy is uh, has slowed down, such as uh, COVID, what the Chinese uh, policymakers are doing, a large amount of fiscal spending, particularly in infrastructure and support of their housing market, that's led to strong demand for iron ore and coal, uh, and that supports our economy. And we turn around that we, we, we outperform. We saw it during the GFC. And we're seeing it now. What I mean there, Craig, is we outperform the global economy. So it's a, a ballast. It's a counterpoint against the slowing economy, global economy, where it used to be the case that we would have an amplification of that into our economy. But just like in the post-GFC period, the global economy eventually turns around, it rebounds, and that's when China pulls back on fiscal stimulus. Now, we were unprepared for that effect back in 2013-14, if you you, uh, remember. And what I'm saying is we don't want a repeat of that mistake. We don't want to be caught in a situation where China stimulus effect uh, starts to negatively impact on our revenues at a time when we've still got a large budget deficit. And given our current foreign policy situation, Matthew, it'd be fair to sort of call the China-Australia relationship as complex. But if you're an institutional investor managing a portfolio, should the iron ore situation be a portfolio risk scenario in your scenario testing? Well, for the reasons I just outlined, I think clearly it should be a, a risk scenario because of its ability to impact the the Australian economy. In terms of what it's saying about the Chinese economy, interestingly there, it's probably reflecting, more reflective of the health of the Chinese economy in a counter-cyclical way. So really strong iron ore prices are indicative that the uh, Chinese policymakers are still engaged in really strong fiscal stimulus, which means that the uh, foreign and domestic conditions that are influencing that economy are not not as strong as as policymakers would like. So a a reduction in the iron ore price is a proxy really for a a Chinese economy that is uh, on a more sustainable path and not as reliant on uh, fiscal stimulus. Thanks, Matthew. I can hear those Monte Carlo simulations already starting. You're listening to Craig Balanzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the current economic foresights shaping your investment outlook. Matthew, business leaders such as the NAB CEO are calling for continued government stimulus despite them having half yearly results improving. What should investors be looking out for on Tuesday night? Well, Craig, as usual, most of the budget detail has already been leaked. So I don't expect a significant market response in the short term. I would, though, uh, look out for rating agencies' responses. Remember, the ratings agencies prior to COVID had as a condition to maintain our AAA rating a 30% net to GDP off limit. The ratings agencies have been leaning during the COVID period and they've allowed our debt to rise up to, as I said, around about 31%. You know, will they continue that le- leniency if 
as I suspect, they see our, our debt levels start to rise even even higher uh, without it stabilising over the forward estimates and, and still ending, as I said, the forward estimates in a deficit. I wouldn't expect downgrades immediately um, by the ratings agencies, but they may shoot a warning uh, shot across our bows. The question, I suppose, is can the RBA and the government both be targeting low unemployment while keeping a lid on bond deals, inflation uh, and government debt? Thanks, Matthew. So despite a huge budget deficit, the government and business community appear united in calls for continued stimulus with the risk of COVID remaining. And with the RBA this week also announcing unemployment, not housing prices, is their main concern. The unilateral focus on jobs is clear. And as we discussed, with iron oil pricing nearing and now exceeding US $200 per tonne, is this sustainable and could it represent a systemic risk for our institutional investors? I'm Craig Valenzuela for QPod. Thank you for listening and have a super weekend.